Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. <laughs> and this time around we are going to honor those who don't get enough recognition, the silent heroes out there. Can that we play remain- taps right now? You know, taps is one of many bugle calls, and there was like hundreds of bugle calls. Sure, but we just know taps. There'd be like a million different. Yeah, the ones. other one is. <laughs> yeah, Revelate. Yeah, Revelate. yeah, yeah. And then whatever it is, you the bugle you play when you're hunting a fox, <laughs> or whenever the horse race is about to start. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got four. Mount Rushmore of Bugle songs. <laughs> Bugle done. Song. Done. Uh, Good Next night, topic. everybody. <laughs> oh, uh, call to the meal. What was that? Did I know? That's a mealtime one. Hmm. Okay. Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael like to debate, deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of many given topics. And this time around, it is unsung heroes. Michael, Richard chose it. Why? No, I did. Michael chose it. Richard, why did Michael what? choose it? I think Michael was getting oh, sick. Oh, this is good. Why did I choose this That's topic, a good Richard? Question. I think you were getting sick of all the negativity of our topics. I had a stretch there where I was going with like real like dark shit. And oftentimes we talk about, even last week, we talk about people who overstate their welcome. That's kind of a negative topic. Mm. I think you thought this was an opportunity to shine a positive light on on people who have done good and deserve it uh i wish i i I love your version of me i wish i was that generous but um can i can i break format jeff yeah can i go first please because i can't talk about why i chose this without saying the first thing that i chose let's do it is that that okay let's hear for the heroes i will defer to the second half okay great okay love it uh my first choice and the reason that I chose this is the kid that came up with Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg, oh, Batmobile boy. broke its wheel and the Joker got away. But it might not be that kid. It's the kid that heard it from that kid. <laughs> oh. Because this thing has spread like wildfire yeah. and has been in existence for some reason, not necessarily written by – like the, whoever the kid is that came up with that, that put all of this together or it's been modified yeah. over the years um, – God bless that child. Yeah. On some playground in probably the mid '60s, mm-hmm. I read an article. I was like, I did a, the teensiest bit of research, oh. and I guess a writer over at like Crack.com tried to really delve in and find out where it came from. It seems that Southern California was a big um, place where this came in, probably because of the Batman TV show, and it especially seemed to. Uh, indicate that it started to travel around because of all the different military families. So hmm. this thing came in and uh, this kid's nonsense song and started traveling around to all these different places that people went uh, and traveled wow. around the world um, because different versions of it would s- start to kind of pop up from the like, kind of nineteen mid 1960s onward. But I, I just love this idea that this silly thing has been in our child's, you know, yeah. schoolyards for the greater part of what sixty years now, yeah. a seventy years, nineteen sixty. I'm not doing the math right, but whatever yeah. it is, sixty something years, and it's one of those things that just. How did you learn it? I don't know. I've always 
it's always been there. It's so simple. It's based on obviously jingle bells. Yeah. And just, just I love that I've taught it to my child. And maybe that's <laughs> we're in the Christmas season. Yeah. And I was like, Felix, watch this one because he knows jingle bells. And I was like, jingle bells, Batman smell, and he's like immediately perked up. Mm. Combines two of his favorite things: things smelling. This kid's into farts yeah. right now. And Batman loves Batman as his favorite superhero. Yeah. And then you just you sing the rest of it. And it's just one of those things where it's just like, ah, oh, God bless you, child. <laughs> Rotten playground child. And on like, in like the sixth grade that somehow, and then some other kid heard it and yeah. ran with it. And there wow. you go. That's cool. I, I, I heard a variant of it. It was at a Shakespeare workshop. And I remember going around, it was like a circle, we were in a circle, and everybody was supposed to recite some Shakespeare, we were supposed to do some kind of technique that we hadn't done before. And there was a guy in that workshop wearing a black turtleneck and uh, round glasses, like <laughs> John Lennon glasses, and he was he was a little bit older, and I, I remember thinking, this guy's going to be fucking good. Like, I'm intimidated by him. He looks like a German, like... Actor, Udo. oh, like one of those guys that Udo Mike here that, Ma- that Mike Myers would yeah, make like fun a, of in uh, yeah, sprockets, a Dada, Dadaist, yeah, you know, Bauhaus kind of guy. And it went, he did not say a word, he had just an intense look on his face. And it finally got to him, and he had a thick southern accent. And he, did, <laughs> and he said, uh, Batman and Robin had a Batmobile, Robin led a fart, and it paralyzed the wheel. Like, <laughs> I'd never heard that variant. Of it, <laughs> this, oh, I love it. He's not a German guy. He doesn't know. He didn't know any Shakespeare. <laughs> he just knew of Batman and Robin had a Batmobile. Robin let a fart in Paris. Do you know that incredible. I do? Uh, I have uh, a performance alter ego named Retro Batman, and we do a comedy cosplay, cosplay comedy, and all I do is recite the Jingle Bells Batman smells. I do like a. And people love it. People love it. They fill in the blank, like jingle bells, and you hold up the microphone, and everybody's Batman smells. They fucking love it, and everybody knows it. You'll see people from all around the world. They all know the Batman smells. So, okay. What do you got, Richard? I went a complete opposite direction. I love this. Mine are... Okay. Yours are going to be, like, just people who did weird little things, big things. Kind of people who we don't know. Hey, yours is a historically truly unsung. This, this is this is stuff for him to figure out. Don't put it on me. All right, I went with actual people, mm. actual like okay people out there in the world who deserve to be more well known than they are. Oh god. So my first one is Patsy Mink, who was a uh, the first woman of color ever elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, and the first Asian American woman ever to serve in Congress. She okay. was a, uh, a congresswoman from Hawaii, um, and when Hawaii became a state back in 1959, she ran for Congress. Didn't win that time, but won the second time around, and I believe it was 1962. Um, had a started out her her life wanting to be a lawyer or wanting to be a doctor, actually, and faced discrimination about being a female and an Asian American, and decided that she would have better luck trying to be a lawyer, wound up going to University of Chicago, getting her law degree, coming back to Hawaii where she was from, and she couldn't get hired on at any law firm or any law practice in Hawaii because of discrimination because she was female and she was also married to a white guy. 
So it was a mixed marriage. So back mm. in Hawaii in the 50s, this was like a really best. So she has started her own law firm. Oh. And wound up getting involved in politics. And wound up doing things like uh, writing the Title IX bill, which is the one that promotes equality, okay. gender equality in, in schools mm-hmm. um, and sports, things like that. Uh, the Early Childhood Education Act and the Women's Educational Equity Act. Those are just some of the bills that she wow she either championed or wrote during her career in Congress. Mm-hmm. And I, I had never heard of her before I started doing the research for this episode. And it's, I don't know, and I, I wonder if it's because she's from Hawaii. Hmm. I wonder if we don't recognize her as this trailblazing female politician she even ran for president in 1972 didn't do very well but she she ran you think of people like shirley chisholm who was the first black woman elected to congress and she's somebody a lot of people know and rightfully so but for whatever reason you know patsy mink is someone who just kind of got lost to history she's got these amazing accomplishments Mm -hmm. and i was trying to figure out why she was an unsung hero and that's the only thing i can think of is just that you know out in hawaii we don't Look, they're not really a state. <laughs> we know they're a state, but they're not. They're a, they're uh-huh. they're a, they're they're Puerto Rico on steroids. Okay, at least that's the per- that, I think that's the perception a lot of people mm-hmm. have. Hmm. So I just wonder if if her achievements and her accomplishments weren't celebrated here in mainland America enough because she was off three thousand miles away from California. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of toiling anonymously yeah doing these amazing things well we got a president from there i wonder well eventually yeah yeah, yeah. well from kenya <laughs> did wasn't my idiot didn't barack obama live in hawaii yeah he yes. was born in hawaii okay 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 allegedly oh gosh okay see that's he's where doing, i'm going doing sorry the joke sorry, i'm sorry. doing a i'm doing a trump bit i think maybe if she had written say say a schoolyard poem about the green lantern or that's true wonder woman Flying well, although you know, plane. I bet you know, I bet if you were to press, I bet you knew Bat Jingle Bells Batman smells. She probably <laughs> well, you know, Hawaii Pearl Harbor, you know, big military. Oh yeah, stuff happens on that um, yeah. on that island. It's the reason we have that island, so we have a military <laughs> presence over in those. Has Batman ever been to Hawaii? I believe he I has. Believe he has. <laughs> he fought the, the pineapple man. Once. <laughs> um, that's a great. I mean, that's a great historical. Person that I didn't yeah, know. Look, in, look into her. She's a, it's I'm a fascinating story. So tremendously if, grateful. To if find nothing out. else, you will get four pretty interesting stories out of my picks, I Sweet. think. Yeah. All right. Michael, uh, lower the standards even more. Uh, okay. Guess what? Straight take down. It, taking the low road. <laughs> oh, really low? Um, my next unsung hero is the person that first came up with the. My name is. Blank, and I'm here to say, oh, okay. as the person that has um, forever made it very easy for idiots to start rap. To start a rap, okay. Um, I did. I looked. Someone asked, and I found like a an like a a Reddit thread about like who was the first person to say my name is blank, and I'm here to say, yeah. Uh, and this was great, it. Rap, was it rap and Rodney Rodney no, Dangerfield? It was, it was, was it the. The answering machine message. <laughs> Wait for the beep. <laughs> there was this great deviation in this in this thread that talked about the possible origins or the 
possibly the, what the origins are, where they talked about how, um, you know, MCs used to go out and they'd have to basically announce themselves and they're like, you know, yeah. Cool Keith and all these different guys, these different rappers and or MCs would go out and they start saying, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Cool Keith and I'm from this town and whatever. And it was like the premise of it. But apparently the first person to ever say that thing that I just said was, my name is Barney Rubble and I'm here to say... <laughs> And I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that the that the, the fruity pebbles, like this 1988 commercial of like Barney as the one, you know, rapping Barney Rubble. This, I'm sure a cartoon character voice done by one of like the same seven yeah. people that do cartoon voices. Dawes Butler. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever the guy that does like Megatron or uh, Starscream. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, I can't remember. But uh, let me, I'll, I'll read a, a bit about it real quick. And um, it's just one of those things where it's just so it's so dumb um, and has made rapping so easy <laughs> to be a, a dumb white guy. Just be like, my name is Michael and I'm here uh-huh. to say I'm yeah. the coolest guy in the U.S. <laughs> like say rhymes with everything. But um, he talked about skip down Barney Rumble. Here, I'll just read this uh, real quick. Uh, All right, there we go. I, this won't do any good to the listeners, but here's yeah. a picture of Barney Rubble. Oh, yeah. With uh, LL Cool J Kangle on. Wow. And uh, mirrored glasses and a gold chain. Not cultural appropriation on any level. Uh, he says, in this commercial um, for, for Fruity Pebbles, uh, Barney Rubble of the Flintstones raps, I'm the master rapper and I'm here to say I love Fruity Pebbles in a major way. And I can't, <laughs> I, I just couldn't believe it. I thought I was going to yeah. get some sort of like really, I, was, I thought I was going to figure it out. Yeah, like it would, it would be, be a real cool person, Keith did it. That it that, wasn't, yeah. that the version that I'm thinking of yeah, that it would be something mm. really significant, but no, it's a goddamn serial mass. Was product. there a Simpsons where Homer specifically yes spouted that? Which is interesting because uh, sometime later, because the Simpsons first started coming out what eighty nine ninety. Because it's very much patterned in a, it's almost like a satire of the, uh, uh, not that not the, the. Uh, uh, I guess Mister P has a Mister Plow rap. Okay, yeah, <laughs> a Mister Plow, and I'm probably I'm here to say. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Plow, that's my name. Name again is Mr. Plow. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's, I love it. We did bring it down. I love it. Rich. That's all right. I love it's it. It's going to keep getting, da- it's going to well, keep going down. Well, all right. Here comes the rich with Billie Jean King or something. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, no, not Billie Jean King. She's not unsung. She's sung. She's Accurately sung. Literally, she's there's sung. a song, Philadelphia <laughs> Freedom, about Billie Jean she's King. So, so. Sung. Um, my next choice is Tenzing Norgay. The wait, what? That name sounds familiar. This he, is two two weeks in a row, is it? No, we didn't talk about Tenzing Norgay last week. Wait, why am I thinking he's the chocolate rain guy? No, that's Zaytande. Oh God, okay. <laughs> no, Tenzing Norgay was the Sherpa who helped Sir Edmund Hillary climb okay. Mount Everest. Oh, okay, good. Boy, that was like but there was chocolate that rain was like, at the that top was like of me today with Felix on my shoulders walking around the L.A. Zoo. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, going up to the aviary. and just Oh, like, you walk the aviary with yeah. him on your shoulders? Oh, yeah. wow. My oh, my God. No, Tenzing Norgay was a uh, 
in Nepali Indian Sherpa, Sherpa, who was known in the 50s as being one of the best Sherpas and wound up being hired by Sir Edmund Yeah, 1957 Hillary. Sherpa of the Year. Yeah, and the, and the Sherpies. The Sherpies. <laughs> and Biggest snowshoes goes to... <laughs> Tenzik Norgay, everybody. <laughs> the band played him on. Doo, 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 doo. Oh, I guess certs. A year's supply of certs. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and yeah, he he did the... Uh, the 1953 did the uh, the reached the summit of Mount Everest along with Sir Edmund Hillary. Why I say he's unsung is a you guys didn't know his name. Mm. B, you notice that one guy is a sir, yeah, and the other guy is not, and they both got up Mount Everest at the same time. I think there's something to be said for that. Mm. Uh, was he Edmund Hillary before that? I think he was. Did, I think did he him was getting to the top. Been like, oh, well, give him a whole new name. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's what happened actually. Um, I remember reading an Onion article, and it was like an, a historical <laughs> article about like the big headline was Edmund Hillary climbs Mount Everest, and there was like a sub headline like also Sherpa climbs Mount Everest with fifty pounds of <laughs> <Yeah>. Edmund Hillary stuff. <laughs> The Ginger Rogers of... Uh, yeah, doing everything yeah. in heels and backward. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I just... I, I've always just wondered about him if he ever got bitter. He didn't seem to be. There, by all kind of contemporary accounts of him, he said that... Because the, there was some question about whether or not he got to the summit first or Edmund Hillary got to the summit first. And he always insisted, no, Edmund Hillary got to the summit first. Hmm. Which, if that's me, I'd be like, no, I got there first. Yeah, I got my hand on there, like, like King of the Mountain. Yeah. It's Some, the ultimate game of King of the Mountain. You touched your hand on the top of it first. You got there first. You are King of the Mountain. Wow, that's a. I I feel like he sh- that name should be a moniker or like almost like a a, na- a metaphor. You know, like just seems like the person who does as much work but gets zero gets zero credit recognition. Got yeah. Norgade. Yeah, you got Norgate. Yeah, I could. You got Tenzing. Got Tenzing, dude. Uh, yeah, and he spent the rest of his career either. Uh, uh, he was the director of field training for the Himalayan Mountaineering Institute. He also was the uh, first person to guide American tourists into Bhutan back in 1975, hmm. because be- before then it, they had, did not allow tourists oh. into Bhutan. Okay. Um, and his grandson is actually an actor who is on some like Disney Channel. Really? Series. Yeah, his name's like Tenzing Norgay Jones or something. Wow. Like that. I don't know what it is. But it's like Tenzing Norgay something or other. Mm-hmm. So just a really interesting person. And mm-hmm. again, like you said, somebody who who put in the put in the effort and didn't get the rewards. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, and it's not like uh you know, it's it's uh, um who Buzz Aldrin was was kinda of sitting in the the lunar lander, right? Where Neil Neil Armstrong gets to go out and somebody had to hop go around the moon. Right. Yeah. Or right. Michael Collins. Poor Michael Collins. Yeah. He was the guy who was in the okay. stuck in the lunar module while Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong oh, okay. gambled about on the moon. Yeah. Oh, uh okay. Hey, uh halftime, bros. This is the time when I ask the audience to send us cash. Uh I get my address will be uh read aloud but it will be read aloud backwards uh, in this during the end theme song and at that point 
please reverse the music and then you'll hear me speaking forwards and that will be my address please send cash please send cash to hop jeffkins hop on Venmo. yeah yeah uh, we need it just plenty of cash because the holidays are coming up and then small bills please small bills. <laughs> quarters uh, this is cheapy cool. and then also do us a solid download rate and review past episodes it helps people discover the podcast and know how great it is because it's an exceptionally good podcast and then you could also uh, share it on social media that would be really cool if you just let one person know that's a start but then let about 100 other people know that's a pretty good follow up to that we're back and at this point Michael is going to take the bar that was already very close to being on the ground and lower it even no further. I got I got a good one I okay what well, all right uh, so I'm sure as most of America and most of the world has been watching this the Beatles get back oh yeah project the unsung hero really are the people that filmed this stuff back in 1970 yeah specifically not necessarily the director Michael Lindsay Hogg but the the person whose job it was was just to fix a camera on Ringo Starr, just looking <laughs> utterly like uh, just unmoved by anything yeah. any of these three like prima donnas are saying and doing at any time. He's just sitting there, just watching all of them bicker or yeah. whatever. As like just the hours and hours there just must be of Ringo just like looking there, being like just drumming with that little back brace. And doing well, whatever. He was likely very drunk or stoned in that time Amazing. period. Like, I've loved watching. I think everybody has loved watching this for everything it does and says mm-hmm. about the Beatles from um, either confirming what they believe about Paul, like uh, taking over, to, um, to John being just the footage of this film. And, like, I understand that, like, the first, the, the original, like, kind of two hour movie, Let It Be, that came out. Um, Directed by Michael Lindsay Hogg, yeah. who I can. Is there a more see. British name than Michael Lindsay I cannot, Hogg? I cannot see that name and not think <laughs> of Sir Dennis Eaton yeah. Hogg, yeah. of course. But um, from uh, this is Spinal Tap. But um, apparently, like the Let It Be movie, the first one was really like dour and showed them all in kind of like a bad light and like this. I, I haven't seen it, but this film just shows these, you know, for the most part, really delightful friends. Like they're having their, you know, kind of they're working through their issues of making this album and working together and George Harrison's having his thing. But how much of it is just like these long pieces of like fucking John Lennon goofing about singing in silly voices. Yeah. Like seeing people just like they're just having fun making an album at times and just hours and hours of this stuff that's been captured. I mean, all it's nothing to say that like, um, uh, you know, Peter Jackson makes just incredible choices in terms of like directing and choosing when to cut back and forth and show like these, these moments of like, you know, I keep fixating on Ringo Starr because I think he's so fascinating as this person that's just not saying anything. Mm-hmm. All these other people are making decisions and talking and having their feelings hurt and leaving the band and, being silly and goofy and making these decisions and being the dad in the room and Ringo's just up there just yeah looking around and just endless shots of toast and marmalade yeah <laughs> what is going on in this fucking movie like yeah. the amount of footage that was just filmed and the people that were just milling about filming this thing 
we don't need to talk about how great the music was and all the different things that go into it. What's amazing is just like this, it's just this archive of film about this one album and this one specific 30 day period. Yeah. That's wild. And just the people that managed to capture that, I mm -hmm. think is just, I'll never know who were the people that were filming it, but I think they list them in the, maybe they oh, do, but yeah. like, I think those are the people that really, you know, I like archival stuff. I think is so interesting. Behind the scenes stuff is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. and it seems so. It's revealed a whole lot more than oh I, yeah. I thought I would. And it's just like, I just love seeing. This. Yeah, I I haven't I haven't seen it yet, which I know being the Beatles guy here is a little the you know it's not great. a Beatles guy here. It's but long. I mean, haven't finished. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, I, I. That's my barrier on it. Is it just seems like a big investment. Just check it. Just take it in chunks. The one thing I've heard is that watching Paul McCartney write, get back basically from nothing, and seeing the entire like way that the song goes from him just coming up with like a gibberish words and this like melody yeah. to like a fully fleshed song in like an hour. And he's playing bass. Like he's yeah, kinda, he's on bass when he's kind of jamming along. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I will definitely check it out. It is funny reading that, learning that the Beatles had wanted to star in a, uh, in a live action Lord of the Rings. And with the, with the length of this mo these movies, it feels like we're watching them in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. There's so much to it. But yeah, there's one scene where after John and after George departs, then John and Paul, I think, are trying to get George to come back. Uh, there's one day where Ringo's the only person there. Like he shows up and he's he's there for for a while before John. Like what's he gonna do? Just play drums in the air? Like he's the only buddy, the only person there. It's a it's amazing. Just the footage of, I, I'm obsessed with just the footage of him just sitting around, watching the, the three of these other guys, yeah, be these artists. And he's like, you know, maybe it's wrote, but it's just like it's just he's just the guy that's there playing the beat. He's figures yeah. it all out. He figures out what the beat's gonna be for all the stuff, and he's just like. He's there. He's unflappable. Mm -hmm. And the reason this, they have this weird deadline, and it, it doesn't really spoil anything initially, was that because Ringo Starr was like, he's going to go do the Magic Christian, right? Yeah, he had like this film career and this studio stage set. Yeah, like they had to film within like these two. They had to make this album within these couple of weeks. Because of fucking some Ringo Starr yeah. movie that he had just, they were going to borrow the stage for a couple of weeks to do uh -huh. this thing. And it's just wild that that is like the premise of when they were going to be like, okay, well, let's make a, a live album. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to do it before we would lose our least <laughs> very, important member. Very strange, but uh, wonderful shots of toast. There's a lot of good toast. It, and funny. They eat a lot of toast and a lot of marmalade. Ringo does. What are they? What are they? Paddington? Yeah. <laughs> Ringo does make. Uh, it almost feels like Mal Evans is there to make Ringo look useful because Mal is um, the silver hammer guy. You want to know who my third choice is? Oh, Mal Evans. Mal Evans. Okay, all right. So we'll roll right into that. Mal okay. Evans, the Beatles' uh, road manager. Yeah. Right hand man, Girl Friday. Yeah. Whatever you want to call him, he was the fixer. He was the guy. If something needed to happen, it happened. Mm -hmm. What I understand from the uh, Get Back movie is at one point. Paul McCartney says something like during Maxwell Silverhammer, the recording of it, like it would be great if I had an an if we had an anvil in here. And they all go off to lunch and they come back an hour later and somehow Mal Evans has pre pre procured yeah. this anvil 
that he then wound up having to play because Ringo couldn't get the timing of hitting the it was like something like he was too short or something and he uh-huh. couldn't he was wasn't strong enough to oh, like that's hit it or something yeah. and Malavin's like this big burly kind of guy. Yeah. He he is an incredible looking muppet of a man. <laughs> he yeah. really is. He looks like a, like Judah Friedlander yeah. mixed with um whoever the best friend is on um uh oh I got to think of that uh I'll come back to it, but go ahead. It's funny that Prince Valiant haircut. He almost seems like Andre the Giant a little bit around these guys. Yeah. That that made me wonder. I believe Ma- Mal is short for Malcolm, but almost Maxwell could almost be Mal too. Right. And uh, so he's got the <laughs> bang bang Maxwell's silver hammer. hammer, and he's just there. He's uh-huh. just part of this this guy, him and Peter Aspinall mm-hmm. or Neil Aspinall, mm-hmm. who are just part of the the Beatles lore for just yeah. sort of. I don't want to say hangers on because they've served important functions yeah. within the Beatles. Yeah. And the Beatles probably would have fallen apart five years before if they didn't have someone like a, like a Mal Evans mm-hmm. to literally do everything. And for writing them. down lyrics. Writing down yeah. lyrics. Um, and that's, that, I mean, you'll, you'll be interested in just the writing process of watching this thing is how much is constantly changed. Like words are just like crossed out and he's the one that's like category. He's like mm-hmm. going through and helping all of them like know exactly what they're changing from like. Yeah. Line to line, how many times they're trying to figure out what JoJo is doing in uh, Get Back. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and he even, you know, on A Day in the Life, I mean, he's he's the one who has the alarm clock Yeah, during the mm. the countdown. And he's the one who's saying the countdown. Oh, the right? one, two, mm-hmm. uh, the countdown oh, as the music is building up to the big crescendo. And he actually is one of the people playing the piano. At the very end, oh. they have like five or six people each hitting a piano, and he's mm-hmm. one of the one of the five or six. Yeah. And he makes he's, he has cameos in all of the Beatles movies, like Get Back and not not Get Back, but like Help and right? Hard Day's Night. Yeah. yeah, he's in there. Like in in Help, he's like the channel swimmer who keeps getting oh really popping up in really weird places. Wow. Yeah, so they they gave him a little fun stuff to do, and I think it just goes to show that I don't know who I'm sure the Rolling Stones have. Or had somebody yeah. like a Mal Evans type. I don't know who it was. Mm-hmm. There's something about the Beatles mythology yeah. that we just ever you just wind up knowing these sort of fringe people, mm-hmm. and they take on their a life of their own. Yeah, there was a or a story. The Beatles had such an kind of a. I know they the long hair and stuff was a, seemed a little bit anarchic at the beginning, but then they had developed somewhat of a squeaky clean image in comparison to, to bands like the stones um to the point where when they did tour in the u.s and maybe there's other places uh people presumed that they would like to after the show have a meet and greet with disabled people and the beatles would come back to their dressing room and there would it would be filled with people in wheelchairs and they would have to say Get rid of these people, Mal. Right. <laughs> and so Mal, Mal, Mal Evans would just have to know the Beatles don't want to talk to you. Have to roll people out of out of God, out of their dressing room. Wild. That yeah, he uh, even discovered or was helped discover a band called the Ivies. Oh. Who wound up becoming Badfinger? Oh, is that right? Oh. And he actually wound up producing. I'm going to look this up. I believe it's Come and Get. Not maybe it was. Was it Come and Get it? I want to say that that's uh-huh. it's one of the two big. Bad finger uh-huh, songs, uh-huh. and he wound up producing that, hmm. even though he didn't, he wasn't a musician or yeah. anything like that. He just had soaked up enough production knowledge from being around the Beatles for all uh-huh. those years that he was able to uh, 
Oh, that's interesting. To pull that off, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, for the for a, a group that had many kind of fifth Beatles, and even like with Billy Preston coming in there and kind of uh, um, injecting some, you know, some excitement in into all of their Billy Preston almost seems like the kid that you would if you knew your parents were going to be mad at you you'd bring this kid home with you you know to kind of take the get, get mad yeah. no matter what it was no matter what not come and get it okay for the record okay uh er, er, so cool Beatles side side run there and uh Michael Winfield what's the last well when I selected um to get back sort of nonsense I realized I had done three music things and I was like oh. I'm just going to stay with oh yeah music. I was like yeah, I accidentally stumbled upon that, and I thought, "Oh, what is a, th- a thing that has uh, really just benefited me my entire just about life?" And is the person that invented the idea of um, shuffle on like a music player, like oh. whenever the music yeah. CD came out, and that turned into like shuffle as a thing within like my music library on my my iPhone. Yeah. Or when like Emily and I are like watching like music videos, mm-hmm. except that for whatever ungodly fucking reason, the <laughs> YouTube app, like on the Apple TV, oh, yeah. doesn't have shuffle, it drives me fucking crazy. Oh, I don't know why. It's on my on my phone. It's, sure, it works, but the shuffle feature is one of those things where it takes the music that you want to listen to, and just kind of reconfigures and reshapes it in a way that makes it kind of, kind of refreshing again. Yeah. Um, I know that bands at least used to make a lot of effort to have music played in a certain order. Yeah. Yeah. And I know sometimes I listen to a song and something tails off and into one song and tails, you know, kind of leads back in Uh, a couple of like death cab songs that I really like do that. Um, But the, Shuffle features just one of those weird things. Like someone just d- decided, oh, we can do this now. Like mm-hmm. you couldn't do this with a tape before. You couldn't do it with an LP. You could, didn't just skip around automatically. I'm sure with an LP you could, you know, choose. You'd have to count out the different ridges or however mm-hmm. the different sections with the tape. You'd have to, you know, no one was sitting there and fast forwarding and then also rewinding, going back and then going. You couldn't flip over the tape. You know, it just didn't happen. But all of a sudden with a CD. And then the CD player had like just that little shuffle thing and you could just jump around to whatever. It's such a weird little thing that I just, it's just the way that I listen to music. If I'm playing music through my stereo in my car, I have to make sure it's on shuffle. I, if I'm like listening to just music in general, not like an entire album. And even though my car is really fucked up, I plug in my phone and it always starts with a politician stance that, a song from Bell and Sebastian. <laughs> it used to be a punk by uh, the gorillas <laughs> until I removed that song because I could not hear it uh-huh. as the first song that I put plugged in my phone any longer. Uh-huh. It was like, I, and it would only play things yeah. in alphabetical order, which is a weird sort of shuffle in its own right. Nobody listens to songs alphabetically, but it's just this one thing that is like, Oh, whoever thought that they would just be like, Oh yeah, by the way, uh, we could do this. And then ever yeah. since it's on CD players and everything, I thought, oh, well, this is... It seemed like it gave you your collection back. Or it gave you... Yeah, I could listen to everything yeah. in some random... Like, it's almost like listening to radio because you don't know what's going to be played on a radio, mm-hmm. in theory. Mm. I guess if you 
program at a radio station. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have some sort of knowledge, but like, it's just, I don't know. I, I love the shuffle feature, especially with like, yeah. like I said, with like music videos, it's almost the thing you want when you're like trying to choose something to watch at the, in the end of the, at night. Like if you're trying to watch Netflix, but you're sitting there and you're looking at these titles and you're like, I kind of want to watch this. I just want someone to choose something for me and play it. Yeah. And I want to quickly be able to get to the, <laughs> the one that, no, next one, next, just play, yeah. just start playing it. Let's see if I, no, mm-hmm. the next one. Yeah. It does take some of the pressure off and it's, it's a, uh, it does. Yeah. It takes some of the responsibility of picking a song out and, and it's reflecting your ego back to you in a very novel, mm. <laughs> novel way. Yeah. It, I want to hear what I want to hear. Yeah. But I don't know what I want to hear until I hear it. <laughs> That's a fun choice. Okay. 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 Manfredi. All right. My last choice is Maurice Hilleman, who is probably the most successful vaccinologist mm. in history. Oh. Not Topical. As, not, slightly. And, if, and invented the mayonnaise that we all Yeah, love. he did. <laughs> Um, it's so stupid. Sorry. Did it's I get so that wrong? Dumb. I love it. Um, he developed over 40 vaccines in his career and is credited with saving nearly 8 million lives each year. Wow. Just through his vaccines. He worked for Merck, uh, but developed and developed vaccines for them. Um, of the, you know, there's like the vaccine schedule that we're you're, you're, like the kids are on and you're on. There's 14 different vaccines. He developed eight of them. Wow. He developed the uh, measles, mumps, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, chickenpox, wow. uh, meningitis, uh, streptococcus pneumonia, and uh, hemophilus influenzae. Wow. That's pretty good. He did all right for himself. Eight, for eight of 14. I mean, that's, yeah. that's putting up numbers. That's, that's, those are Hall of Fame. Those, the, uh, <laughs> the immunization Hall of Fame numbers. That's first ballot. Bang, oh. put it on the board yeah. type stuff. And in his career is like fascinating because he, when he graduated from from college, everyone told him to go into like academic, the academic side of things, and he said, "No, I'm going to go into the pharmaceutical side of things because that's where I think I can really help people and develop things." Hmm. And he did. Um, he actually developed the mumps vaccine because one of his kids had mumps, and he was able to get a. A, a, a sample of this throat culture from her and took it back to his lab and started working on it. Wow. And used his kid, his younger kid, as one of the test subjects uh-huh. for the mumps vaccine. Wow. Like, it's just a really fascinating story. And yeah, like like you said, Michael, this is slightly slightly relevant in today's age, today's sort of age. I just wonder if if there was somebody like him today if there was out there coming up with, you know, the COVID vaccine, the guy who created the COVID vaccine had also created like a vaccine for cancer or something like that. It would be, it would be like that. Oh yeah. You know, would people, would he be hailed as a hero or would there be 40% of the population that would think that he's working for Bill Gates? No. Oh yeah. It's just depressing depressing to think Mm -hmm. about, Mm -hmm. but you know, someone who just, whose contributions to modern society. I mean, nobody gets mumps anymore. Nobody gets measles really yeah. anymore. I mean, I know there was a couple of outbreaks a couple of years ago because 
dopey parents aren't getting their kids vaccinated. Sorry if you don't vaccinate your kids if you're listening, but it's a dopey thing to do. <laughs> hot take. Hot, hot take, take here. <laughs> get, get me on the hot seat, Jeff. But, well, I mean, just somebody who, like I said, 8 million lives a year. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good when you can actually quantify how many lives that you saved each yeah. year. That's That looks good on a resume. Yeah. You can put that on your LinkedIn and you're going to get some hits. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do at your last job? Why did you leave your last position? It was The laboratory was riddled with viruses. <laughs> <laughs> Mumps everywhere. Mumps everywhere. I had to leave that place. I couldn't. I can't fix them all. He's, do you think he, like, he, I think Pokemon. He's like, I got to get them all. I got to catch them all. Got to catch them all, yeah. All those viruses. Um, let's go with uh, Patsy Mink, just so we have a woman on the board. Was she the only female? Okay. Uh, let's go with uh, Mal Evans. I felt like he was uh, um, much commented on. Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Yeah, it's a now clear I know winner. There's a winner there. There's, there's good stuff there. And I can't not mention a beetle. So Ringo. And Linda McCartney says in that, she says, yeah, I feel most relaxed around Ringo. Paul makes me uptight. I'm sure. Paul's a lot. Paul's a lot to deal with. And he won't let me eat a steak. I just want to eat a steak. <laughs> oh. All right. This has been the Mount Rushmore. Of, and I'd like to thank this tape recorder. Is for being the unsung hero of this. I guess it's a digital report of this podcast. My name is always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.